Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast for Tuesday, November 26, 2019. My name is Ian McLaren. I'm your host of this daily Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. Before we get into a look at the Bruins situation heading into Tuesday's game against the Montreal Canadiens, I'd just like to remind you to follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can also find me at Ian C. McLaren. Please also uh, download, subscribe, review, rate the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you get your podcasts, whether it be Google, Stitcher, Spotify, Pocket Casts. And please also um, tell your friends and family members about the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Again, this is a daily Bruins podcast where we talk about everything spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL to see what's going on. Uh, with other teams around the league every single day. The big news in Boston on Monday was the announcement that Patrice Bergeron will not be traveling with the team for two games uh, this week, coming up uh, in Montreal and Ottawa. Uh, Bruce Cassidy said the team is taking a cautious approach with the 34-year-old. He's been nursing a lower body injury that also caused him to miss two games last week. Cassidy said there's no timeline Similar injury, same area. Uh, They think it's the best way to go for now. Just want to make sure that when he's in the lineup, he's not going to put himself at further risk. At first, it was described as kind of a load management situation, but it looks like it's a bit more serious than that, causing him to miss these two games. Uh, Cassidy was asked if uh, Bergeron, who recorded a four-assist game on Saturday, was considering a procedure similar to Sidney Crosby, who's out six weeks after surgery to repair a core muscle injury. Uh, Cassidy said he wasn't sure that the two injuries were relatable. Um, He doesn't know if it would require similar treatment to make it all go away. He hasn't been in those discussions. Could it come down the road? He said, yes, it's possible, but... um, Right now, they just don't want him to play so as not to aggravate it. With Bergeron out, David Krejci will fill in between Brad Marchand and David Pasternak on the top line as he did last week and looked uh, very good in that situation. Krejci, of course, is coming off that two-goal performance in the final minutes during Saturday's comeback win over Minnesota. Marchand said there's a little bit more pressure defensively when Bergeron's out. Uh, You realize how good he is at both ends of the rink and what he does to shut down other teams' top lines. He finds himself cheating a little bit more when uh, Bergeron's out there because he's always in position to cover for everybody. So the Bruins have to uh, kind of um, make up for that absence by chipping in a bit more on the defensive end, although Marchand's pretty good at that already. To fill those holes... um, the Bruins recalled centers Brendan Gauntz and Jack Stadnika from Providence. Brett Ritchie is also uh, not going to be playing as a result of uh, this elbow infection that he is uh, dealing with. Cassidy said, I don't think they're going to look at it more long term, how to deal with it so it doesn't come back. So he might be out for a few games. Stadnika, uh, as You'll hear in an upcoming conversation here with Anthony Kwiatkowski from Bruins Network. Uh, he's been on fire lately for the uh, Providence Bruins. He scored in five straight games um, and, you know, just really playing well. He's been very consistent, Cassidy says, scoring a lot, 
scored a shorthanded goal the other night, so he's playing in all areas, all situations. Uh, the issue is uh, his upper body strength, and they're kind of concerned about his frame, as, as Anthony alludes to here, coming up again as well. Um, but when they looked at Providence, they wanted to reward the best player. It's kind of been their philosophy uh, with Bjork coming up. Uh, Stanika has been arguably Providence's best player as of late, so hopefully he can step in and uh, help to fill that hole uh, for the Bruins. Marchand, I should mention, he was named the first star of the week by the NHL on Monday uh, for his uh, four goals, sorry, three goals and four assists in seven points last week. Uh, so he'll continue to excel no matter who he's playing with. I really believe he's the best player the Bruins have right now, and he will uh, just continue to do his thing no matter who he's playing with. Krejci stepped in last week very well and still be well served with having David Krejci as their top line center between um, Martian and Pasternak. I've seen it referred to as the near perfection line. We'll have to see how the lines shake out. Uh, otherwise, whether Stanika Gantz will both be in the lineup, uh, whether they'll play center or wing, uh, where Coyle will go. So keep an eye on uh, Twitter uh, after the morning skate today to see how the lines will shake out for tonight's game against the Montreal Canadiens. As for the Canadians, they lost their last game on Saturday against the New York Rangers, which I mentioned yesterday. They coughed up a 4-0 lead and a 5-3 lead in that one. They're 4-3-3 in their last 10, 11-7-5 for the season with 27 points in 23 games. Currently uh, third in the Atlantic, although uh, point percentage-wise, they drop in uh, in those standings behind the uh, Bruins. The Tampa Bay Lightning, who are now second in terms of point percentage after their win over Buffalo on Monday night, and then the Panthers and Canadians. So uh, the Bruins hopefully will be able to take care of business in Montreal without um, the benefit of Bergeron. Jaroslav Halak will get the start, meaning uh, Boston will go with Tukarask Wednesday in Ottawa. To help tee up uh, tonight's game and what we can expect from Stanika, and a couple other topics. Uh, let's now jump to my conversation with Anthony Kwiatkowski from uh, Bruins Network, who you can follow at Bruins Network on Twitter. A great conversation, and thanks again to Anthony for taking some time to chat. I am joined now by Anthony from Bruins Network. Uh, I'll try to pronounce your last name, Anthony. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, Kwiatkowski? Yeah, that's it. Anthony Perfect. Kwiatkowski. Great. Well, thank you so much for taking some time uh, to join uh, the podcast today. I, I think I've been following you on Twitter for, for quite a while now, and it's uh, great to get your insights on there and also to be able to uh, connect uh, this way as well. So thanks so much for, for taking a couple of minutes to chat today. Well, thanks for having me in. And yeah, you have been following me since uh, just about the start of Bruins Network. So oh, that's cool. cool seeing one of those uh, high-end blue check mark guys follow yeah. the start. <laughs> yeah those those are overrated <laughs> yeah well you know to people who might not have them yet true, sounds true, true. like something cool yeah but it, you know first, yeah. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me i'm happy yeah, no to be problem. here and so i guess the big news uh in bruins land today uh as we record it's it's monday evening um was that patrice bergeron dealing with a nagging uh, groin injury i believe and he 
is not traveling with the Bruins to Montreal and Ottawa. Uh, so Brett Ritchie is also out, and the Bruins recalled uh, both uh, Brennan Gauntz and Jack Stadnicka from the Providence Bruins. It's uh, Stadnicka that I'm uh, most interested in talking about. Um, I followed him a little bit when he was in the OHL, but I haven't watched him too much um, in Providence. So I just wanted to kind of uh, pick your brain and and just get your assessment of uh, Studnicka's play with the Providence Bruins uh, so far. And um, even if he's just up for a couple of games, what uh, what do you think he can bring to, to this current Bruins roster at this point in the season? Uh, well, to start off the season, uh, Jack was down in Providence and he – I, I wouldn't say he was disappointing, but he was not as uh, involved as, as I had hoped to see him to start. Okay. Uh, usually when, when you watch Sidnika play, he's one of those guys that's, you know, cutting through the defense and driving towards the net. And on top of making plays, he's looking to shoot and he's looking to create, whether it be low rebounds, just, you know, try and beat the goalie and score. So I didn't see much of that. And I just saw, I kind of saw him be a bit inconsistent, um, kind of like uh, Jacob for his back of Carlson was. Right. Uh, at certain times in Providence. And now people have, have their reserves about that player. But, you know, Stadnik has never been a, a player to kind of dial down his, you know, intensity and, and be inconsistent. So that was something that I, I wanted him to improve on, you know, because the points were there. I mean, you know, if you look at his first few games in Providence, he only had, you know, about two goals until November. Uh, I think, yeah, two goals. And, and, you know, he had some assists here. And that was fine. But it just wasn't the Stadnika we were used to seeing, you know, at the other levels. And, you know, as soon as the calendar turned to November, he just turned it on. And he was bringing that consistency and that intensity every single night that we were looking for, you know. Um, he started off this this recent hot streak, uh, I think the day before Halloween, if I remember. Uh, he was playing against uh, Rochester, I think, and he scored that night. And then, you know, the first and second weeks of November, he just took off. And, you know, starting two weeks ago, he's had a goal in his last five games. And the two before that, um, you know, he had two goals in the three games before that, rather. And there was only one game where he didn't score since, uh, let me pull up his stats here, since November 9th. So, you know, in the game since November 9th, he's had a goal, a goal, nothing, and then five goals in a row and two assists last night, too. Yeah. So, you know, the, the production's there, which is great. But when I'm watching Stadnika, I'm not too worried about the production. It's just the way that he's playing. Right. And since the since the calendar turned to November, he's, you know, like I said, he's been driving the net. He's been, you know, instead of trying to go around the defenders, he's trying to go through them again, which is something that you'll notice from, you know, young CHL players who are trying to adjust to the AHL. And, and it doesn't even just span the CHL. It's all types of players, right? When you're young and you're going up against men for the first time in the AHL, you kind of have that tendency to, you know, stick to the outside. So you don't get picked going through, or you don't get cleaned out moving through. But, right. you know, since the calendar turned to November, Sadiq has been doing that pretty much every night. And for him, that's what he needs to do because he's talented enough to do it. Right. Now, I, I, I'm assuming the plan was for him to, uh, yeah, develop his game in the AHL this season. Uh, obviously, injuries have um made it necessary for Don Sweeney to give him a call up for at least probably these next two games um do you think his game will uh quickly translate to the NHL level do you think he still has some more growing to do uh this probably isn't a long-term call up as, as I said but um do you think he'll 
kind of make or has the potential to make an immediate impact in, in these next couple of games? Or do you think uh, Bruce Cassidy will kind of uh, tap the brakes and um, kind of limit his ice time and, and things like that? I think it depends on the scenario in which he's going to be used. Um, obviously, if he's going to be used in a top nine role, then I think Bruce is not really going to have much of a choice but to let him just kind of do his own thing. Right. And I think that's what should be done, you know. And and I mean, look at someone like Zach Sinishin who got called up, and uh, you know, he ended up playing very well. But that was also because Cassidy just let him do his thing out there. Right. You know, he brought his style, he brought his game, and that was it. So uh, I think that you know, depending on his usage and and you know, depending on what Cassidy has in store for him. I think he could quickly translate whether it be wing or center because the way that Stadnika has been playing in Providence since November is an NHL style game, you know, one where you talk about the details and, and, you know, the more intricate aspects of the game and covering your bases and playing a 200 foot game, but also playing that aggressive style too, where you're driving the play, you know, where you're, you're utilizing time and space. And I think that's something that is going to mesh well with not only the NHL, but also his line mates too. And, you know, when we talk about call-ups and guys coming up, that's also part of it too. You have to think about who they're going to be playing with, but also is their style of play as a prospect going to mesh well with those other NHL caliber players. And we saw that with Seneshin. And now I think we'll probably see it with Stadnika because you know, you have to think at the start of the season in training camps and development camps and, you know, tournaments and this and that, Stadnika was pretty close to making the team. And mm-hmm. I think if, if you know, the Bruins were in a situation like maybe some other teams in the AHL where they're not really competing for something at the moment, I think he would have made the roster and been limited. And maybe he would have been sent back down to the AHL at some point, but I think he would have started there. And, you know, my only concern about Stadnika right now getting called up is he's still a bit wiry. You know, he's still a bit slight of frame. Okay. Um, you know, I've, I've talked to him numerous times in Providence and standing next to him, he's, he's definitely a, a slighter kind of guy. He's definitely strong and he's definitely added a little bit of mass, a little bit of muscle. So, you know, he's been trying to bulk up and that's something he's touched on himself in interviews and whatnot. So that's my only real concern is that, I don't want to see him, you know, get too overpowered and overwhelmed because his height's there, his build's there. He's just not grown into it fully yet. Right. Now, you mentioned um, the fact that he has uh, been playing center down in Providence. Uh, I had thought even before this call up, I mentioned on Twitter a few days ago, the idea of uh, maybe bringing him up, trying him at right wing uh, to kind of ease him into the NHL. Um, that way, uh, especially in light of, uh, I know we had discussed this on Twitter the other day too, about Chris Wagner playing on the second line the other night and how not ideal in my mind that is. And, and the thinking was maybe a guy like Stanika would be better served there. But do you think um, it would be better for him to play kind of third line center and move Coyle up to right wing on the second line for the time being? Or uh, do you think it would harm his uh, development to try him out on the wing while he's been succeeding at center now for these last few weeks uh, down in Providence. Um, You know, I I see all sides of it really. And it's not really something that, um, you know, you, he was a podcast host will probably want to hear, but you know, I I do see every single side of of the audience. So I I don't have a a huge kind of, you know, connection to either route, but 
I don't think it'll hurt him if he plays wing versus center in the NHL for a couple games, you know? Yeah. And and I think part of that too is because at the NHL level, once you get on the ice and once you're in the zone and you're cycling and stuff, you're moving a lot around the zone, right? So he's not just yep. going to be playing strict wing, even if he's, you know, if he's on the ice with Krejci. There's going to be moments where, you know, the time's available if he's puck carrying and he's driving right through the center. And maybe for that shift, he takes over center and, you know, Krejci's in the cycle. And we see it with, you know, all the players all the time. So I don't think it'll hurt him. I would personally rather see him um, maybe get shifts at both, you know, whether it be third line center or second line right wing. Uh, I just love seeing Charlie Coyle drive his own line because mm-hmm. I think he's, I, I to be honest, I, I think it's a waste of his ability and commanding presence on the ice to throw him at wing. Right. And I know that's kind of the, the Cam Neely, and, you know, old-time Bruins and old-time hockey mindset is to have a big-bodied guy to play with Krejci. But, you know, like like we exchanged on Twitter the other day, it's not 2013. You don't need a Chris Wagner type next to Krejci. Right. The league is entirely different now. Mm-hmm. And to your point about Wagner versus Stadnika being called up, I see both sides of that too. Because by one token, like what's the point of putting Chris Wagner next to David Krejci, even mm-hmm. if it is for a couple games? You're right. not going to get anything out of him. And if you do, it'll be a, a luck of the scenario goal, right? Bonus, Maybe he's yeah. riding some energy. Kind of like we saw with, with Nordstrom last year. You know, those times when he was shifted next to Krejci early on in the season, we're sitting there screaming at the TV because, well, you know, there's only so much he can bring. And not only is there so much he can bring, that's not even the, the biggest part. The biggest aspect of it is what can he build upon next time? Right. And there's not much, there's not much, you know, room to grow there for someone like that. Whereas opposed to Stadnika, if you throw him on Krejci's right wing for, who knows, 10 games, he's got five goals and he's crushing it, maybe you have your short-term answer there until, you know, something opens up at center. Right. And, you know, we saw that with Bergeron. Bergeron played next to Donato when he was a rookie, and that guy turned out pretty well, I'd say. Yeah, for sure. Yep, I would agree. Um, I just wanted to get your thoughts, too, on on uh, Anders Bjork. He uh, looks like he is not bound to return to Providence anytime soon. He's, he certainly looks like a, like a full-time NHLer at this point. It's, I mean, injuries aside, I think he'd still be around. I really like that line. When everyone's healthy of, of Bjork, Coyle, and Heinen, I think that's a, a really effective third line and a, a real luxury that the Bruins have to deploy that third line. Um, what are your thoughts on Bjork's uh, NHL game and, and yeah, do you agree that he's kind of in Boston to stay now? Yeah, I, I can't see any scenario where he would be returned to Providence at any right. point. Uh, I mean, unless it was a conditioning thing where maybe he got dinged up or maybe the Bruins are looking at some contracts to be moved in and out and they need a little bit of flexibility there for you know a few games. Uh, aside from technicalities like that, I see no reason why Anders Bjork should be returned to anywhere but the NHL. And, you know, that line just works because they all have something that complements each other. But more so than that, Bjork, Coyle, and Heinen, when you put them separately on any other line, they all bring something that makes their line mates better. You know, Bjork has that elusiveness to his game. And, you know, Pierre Maguire, as much as people, you know, don't like him and have the reserves about him, a few years back, I remember him, you know, quoting himself essentially and saying that, you know, I was watching uh, Anders Bjork this year at this tournament and he's elite, you know, he's an elite high-end player and his hands are elite. His mind is elite. His skill is just elite. And that was when, you know, he was a, a Hobie Baker contender in college and his junior year at Notre Dame, he was on fire. 
but you could see then that he was one of those truly elite high-end players at that time. And, you know, maybe the whole right wing versus left left wing thing is just what he needed to be told, you know, in, in his game. Play left wing instead of right wing. You're a lefty. We don't like guys playing their off wing here, and that's how we're going to do it. And that was a big part of it, too, because as we saw when he got injured, you know, the first few times, you know, he cut across the ice against Matt Martin because he was trying to, you know, take the puck backhand to forehand and gain some right. time and, and space that way. Didn't work out. And then, you know, the the Francois Beauchemin one, that's nothing you can really do against that. That's just a, a cheap little cross check and it just caught him the wrong way. But, you know, you can see it when he's playing that even now he does still have that versatility to play left wing versus right wing. And, you know, I've talked to him numerous times too and caught up caught up with him in Buffalo when I was there. And, you know, he told me personally, look, man, I like playing right wing because I like going backhand and forehand and being able to beat defensemen that way and catch them off guard. But now at the left wing, he seems more comfortable and it just seems more natural, you know, even for his line mates, because they know where to be because he's not trying to take on, you know, a different role while he's playing right wing and and left wing. He's just now at left wing and stick him there. You can see it in his game. I mean, you know, one of the big differences that I wanted to see from Bjork, you know, last season versus now before his injuries and, and whenever is his ability to gain the line with the puck when he's carrying it to the neutral zone, but also take the space that's given to him by the defense. So control that, you know, margin between the line and the top of the circle, you know, take your time, wait for your line mates to come slow up. They're not going to attack you there because you can just dish it to one of your, you know, other wings or center and they'll get burned. So they're going to give you that little bit of space and he's excelling in that role so far. And, you know, more, more to that, I think Andrews Bjork is still a top six forward. Honest to God, I think he is a top six forward in the NHL and I'll maintain that standard because his hands his skill, his ability to score, patience, creativity, he's got it all. And he also has the speed too, right? I mean, look at the way he skates and how shifty he is and just how quick he is, you know, straight line. So I think that Bjork could play on any line in Boston right now and be effective. And I still think he's a top six forward in terms of production too, if you stick him next to someone like Bergeron on the right wing. Yeah. Um, or even Krejci on the left wing. You know, we, we saw him a couple games next to him and he looked really comfortable there. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I like I said, I th- I really think the Bruin that third line, if if it remains Bjork, Coyle, and Heinen, that those are the kind of depth lines that that in my mind win championships. Having that uh, luxury of having those three skilled guys who can do anything to do it all out there uh, on the third line is is a real uh, luxury for for the Bruins, I think, and should take them far this season. Um, the one other thing I wanted to ask you about was I, I noticed uh, you tweeted the other day about uh, Charlie McAvoy and kind of expectations for him this season versus uh, what is transpiring on the ice. Uh, he's yet without a goal this season, only got the seven assists. Um, but, you know, he's not getting the prime power play time that uh, other defensemen on the team are getting. He's actually getting more shorthanded time than power play time and more uh, defensive zone starts this year than uh, starting in the offensive zone as he did last year. So even though his total ice time is up, it's a bit more um, spread out and maybe uh, Cassidy is 
rely on him less for those kind of prime offensive uh, situations. You mentioned too that perhaps uh, his his defensive partner in Zdeno Chara is um, playing a role in that decreased um, offense. What what are your thoughts on on McAvoy and, and kind of what's uh, keeping him from maybe that offensive outbreak that, that a lot of people were expecting this season? Uh, I, I think, like you said, his usage has a lot to do with it too. I mean, you know, look at him last season, for example, right? He had, you know, over 30 points playing ma- mainly just five on five. Right. So he doesn't get that opportunity because of Tory Krug here. And, you know, it, it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? Because if he's not focusing on, you know, worrying about being good on the power play and, you know, training and, 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 you know, getting in the mindset for that. He's applying himself fully to other areas, even strength and, and penalty killing, which, you know, those in crunch time kind of matter more because, you know, it, it, it's the difference between allowing a goal versus scoring a goal. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, you want your defenseman to be able to contribute both and he was drafted to do so, but, you know, it's just, kind of like a double-edged sword there, you know, in my opinion. But also I think playing with Chara really does hamper him. And I love Zidane Chara. I love what he's, you know, contributed to Boston and he changed this franchise essentially. But with that being said, he's an over 40-year-old player now. He visually doesn't have the legs that he used to. And I mean, that's not a knock on the guy. He's still playing into his 40s right now and he's still effective. But I just don't think he's, he's still effective as he has been at that top line role. Right. And I think, you know, playing next to McAvoy on the top pair, and, you know, if you even just look at Chara through a few games this season, there's been times in transition where he's just struggled. And maybe, you know, we've seen some people take him to the outside and cut inside and they kind of turn him, or, you know, just when the when the play is moving quickly, that bang-bang style that Cassidy loves to play and loves his defenseman to play, he just can't really do it. And for someone like McAvoy who has the ability to do that, he has to cover for Chara in those situations. So when I watch McAvoy some of these nights, it looks like he's you know almost uncomfortable in in his zone playing with Chara at times because that's a lot of ice to cover and it's a lot to ask from you know a twenty year old defense a twenty one year old defenseman to not only play against teams top lines and you know top pairings, but you know you're also asking him to score, defend, and transition while his partner at night looks like you know. He's not adequate for that role anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think if you, you know, allow McAvoy to get those reps on the top power play unit and, you know, tell him, look, use your talent that we saw at the World Juniors. Use the talent we saw in college. Really command this presence and, and you know, take the zone, you know, just make it your own. Dish to, you know, whoever you feel is necessary, but just give him a little bit of a leeway to, to play his game. And I think that could be the difference between, you know, him producing as a number one defenseman and him not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I, I really appreciate your, your insight. I appreciate you taking some time uh, to chat today and I'll definitely be getting in touch with you uh, later on in the season or probably sooner than later to, yeah, just continue to discuss uh, all things black and gold. Uh, hopefully they can pull off the win against Montreal here and then head into Ottawa and get the second of the back to back. Yep. Uh, but yeah, thanks so much for, for taking some time and, and we'll definitely connect again uh, in the near future. Perfect. Thank you, Ian. I appreciate Perfect. it and uh, would love to be on anytime again. So, All right. Whatever. All right. Thanks, man. Have a great night. Take care. You as well. It's time now to take a quick look around the NHL at some stories making headlines. 
I talked yesterday about the uh, Mike Babcock and Mitch Marner situation, and a couple more things came out afterwards. Now, I know not everyone might feel this is relevant to a podcast called Locked on Boston Bruins. However, I think it's important to address some wider hockey culture issues from time to time. Uh, we talked about Don Cherry a couple weeks ago, and this Mike Babcock uh, situation, I think, uh, is important to talk about as it seems as though some of the uh, bricks in the foundation of some of the more toxic aspects of hockey culture are being chipped away, and I believe that's a good thing. And uh, hopefully it continues, and we'll get to another situation here in a moment. But um, it turns out the Mike Babcock-Mitch Marner story was indeed true, where Babcock asked Marner as a rookie during the father's trip, no less, to rank the players on the Leafs from hardest working to least hardest working. Marner did so. Babcock took the list and showed it to those players who were at the bottom. Those players were reportedly Nazem Kadri and Tyler Bozak, uh, who both were not happy about it, uh, obviously. Babcock acknowledged to Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet on Monday that the story was true that he was trying to focus on work ethic and role models, and it ended up being not a good idea, that he apologized at the time. Apparently, Kadri went so far as to tell Babcock it wasn't something he should have made a rookie do, uh, which good on Kadri for uh, calling his coach out like that. Another source said Marner was scared uh, shitless um, at the time. Uh, Now he says he kind of forgot about it until the report in the sun came out the other day via Terry Koshin. Uh, It's over now. It's done with. I was lucky the guys who were there with me, none of them took it to heart and they knew it was not up to me. So sounds like more people took issue with Babcock's methods than Marner's uh, admission of of who he felt was uh, the least hardest working players on the team. Uh, Babcock Obviously didn't try something similar with Marner again. Uh, who knows if he tried to uh, do other questionable things with players in terms of uh, his coaching methods. Obviously, he was not well-liked, and um, it's clear that the players are relieved that he is gone and to have um, Sheldon Keefe in in the mix. Now, in a related and more serious um, situation, a former Flames forward uh, kind of took that Babcock situation and uh, took it a step further, uh, making a serious allegation against Calgary Flames current head coach Bill Peters, saying that Peters directed a racial slur uh, at him when they were both in the minors uh, quite a few years ago now, about uh, 2008-9. Akeem Aliou, who is of Nigerian descent, made the claim Monday evening in a series of posts while the Flames were actually playing against the Pittsburgh Penguins. He said, not very surprising the things we're hearing about Babcock. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Same sort of deal with his protege in YYC. Dropped the N-bomb several times toward me in the dressing room in my rookie year because he didn't like my choice of music. Now, for context, Uh, Bill Peters' first job at the professional level was head coach of the American Hockey League's Rockford Icehawks, the affiliate for the Chicago Blackhawks. He was then hired uh, by the Detroit Red Wings as an assistant coach uh, for Mike Babcock. So that's where the protege 
thing comes in, and that's YYC is Calgary's airport code. Eliu added, first one to admit I rebelled against Peters, wouldn't you? Instead of remedying the situation, he wrote a letter to John McDonough and Stan Bowman to have me sent down to the ECHL. 20-year-old on pace for 20 goals in his first pro year with zero PP and PK time was off to a great start in his pro career. Aliyu was a second-round pick of the Blackhawks back in 2007. He was described as a very aggressive defenseman winger. He played uh he could able to play both positions, right hand shot. He has an excellent agitating qualities. He likes to hit and play a physical game. Also has some offensive ability and a quick release. That's from Elite Prospects back in 2011. Uh, back in his first full season with the Ice Hogs was in uh, 2009, 2010, where he scored 11 goals, recorded an additional six assists in 48 games. He was then sent to the ECHL where he scored uh, five goals and nine assists in 13 games. Um, he was given another chance with the Chicago Wolves, but then bounced between uh, the ECHL. Um, he did have a brief two-game stint with the Flames back in 2011-2012 where he recorded two goals and an assist, uh, but altogether he only appeared in seven NHL games uh, 245 AHL games where he scored 47 goals, recorded 29 assists. Um, afterwards, he bounced around between the AHL, ECHL, KHL, uh, Slovakia, uh, Finland. Most recently played for the Orlando Solar Bears last season of the ECHL. Uh, so very serious allegations made by LU. Uh, Calgary Flames... General Manager Brad Living was made aware of the report of the tweets uh, during the game. He said, during tonight's game, I was made aware of a tweet and former player Akeem Aliyu. We, we were playing, so I haven't had a chance to sit down with Bill or our people internally to talk about this to get the bottom of it. I would say we take these matters very, very seriously. Um, I will be doing that, and until such time, we won't have any further comment about it, but we will address it and get back to you once we have had a chance to speak internally. In an official release later, Treliving said we want to complete a full and proper investigation before we provide any further comments on the matter. And then here on uh, Tuesday morning, Darren Drager of TSN reported that the NHL is looking into the situation as well. Um, and having some internal discussions about um, the allegations made against uh, Bill Peters. He said, NHL head office has been in contact with the Flames over allegations. Further discussions expected today. Uh, I would hope that both the Flames and the NHL will take this seriously. Um, there's no place in hockey for racism, no place in NHL locker rooms for that kind of language. Um, if it did happen in the locker room, there are witnesses, I'm sure. So maybe we'll hear more about it. Uh, but uh, really disappointing. But I'm glad Aliyu had the courage to speak up. And again, between Cherry, now Babcock, Peters, um, it's nice to see people uh, taking a stand against um, anything that is against the hockey is for everyone mantra. And... Um, here on the Locked On Bruins podcast, I believe it's important to, uh, yeah, stand up for what is right and what is fair in the game of hockey. 
And um, I hope you would agree with me as well that um, we want to make Locked On Bruins and the community in general just open for everyone uh, to enjoy. So um, that's the update on that, and we'll keep we'll keep uh, tabs on that story as it, as it continues. In other news, uh, the Rangers won and. Goaltender Henrik Lundqvist moved into fifth place on the all-times wins list, passing uh, Curtis Joseph, so good for him. The Dallas Stars tied our franchise record with their seventh straight win uh, after a rough start. Uh, they, I think they lost eight of their first nine games. They've roared back in November and now sit third in the Western Conference. Uh, one of our first podcasts was talking about the Stars with Sean Shapiro of The Athletic, and uh, they've really come back and... Uh, are indeed living up to the billing as um, Stanley Cup contenders, I, I feel. Uh, the Sabres lost to the Lightning, as I mentioned earlier. The Lightning quickly rising in the Atlantic Division standings uh, and may soon challenge the Bruins for top spot. And the other big news was the um, New York Islanders finally lost, um, ending their uh Point streak at 17 games. They lost three nothing, blanked by John Gibson and the Anaheim Ducks. So their uh, streak is over, and um, we'll see how they are able to rebound from that and maintain their standing in the Eastern Conference uh, over the rest of the season. A kind of a lucky streak that they've been on with uh, being out attempted by the opposition, riding some pretty good goaltending from Thomas Grace and. Um, yeah, we'll see where the, the Islanders move going forward. Um, that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Again, you can uh, follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. You can find me at ENC McLaren. Please tell your friends. Tomorrow will be Wednesday uh, episode, which is the day before Thanksgiving. I'm going to open up the mailbag for people to say what they're thankful for about this Bruins team. So keep an eye on out for that and do shoot me uh, a tweet or an email at lockedonbostonbruins at gmail.com with some things that you're thankful for about this team. Uh, again, we're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. I am Ian McLaren. Thank you so much for joining me today and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. Take care, friends.